Hey everyone, welcome back to the Passive Buddies podcast. And today we are talking, as you can guess by the title, kind of gives it away, good versus bad debt. As usual, Brandon Duff, my co-host, is here. And we're going to delve deep into obviously what type of debt is good to take on, what isn't good, and how you can stop yourself being broke. What do you do when the dream of an online business makes you work harder than a day job would? The answer, you build passive income. On the Passive Buddies podcast, we cover the myths behind passive income and how to build true financial and time freedom. Welcome to the Passive Buddies podcast. Brandon. Love it. Love it. Uh, yeah, you people, you got to stop being broke. It's, uh, and if you're not broke, that's a good thing. And help other people not be not broke. So uh, I'm glad that we are talking about this discussion today because I think that there is some misunderstandings about debt. Yeah, a lot of people see debt as just a generally bad thing, don't they? Um, ironically, the fact that it's a tax write-off is probably a good thing. Um, but a lot of people see, like, obviously using credit cards for things. Like, we call it, like, using a credit card for leverage. But then, obviously, if you decide on a bad a bad debt and a good debt, like, it's either leverage or it's a or you're pissing up the wall. Like, um, so how do you distinguish which is which? Like, if you are to use a credit card, which people see as bad, but you're using it for a good purpose, like, Where's the fine line? Where's the differences? Yeah, definitely. So I, um, as far as the credit card debt, that's most of the time going to be always bad debt just because of um, it's not creating any kind of cash flow for you. Um, unless you're doing something like, say, you're running your business on um, your credit card and you're paying off things and that's to run your business and that's a whole different topic. Um but I, I charge everything on my credit card um, from groceries to my phone bill, everything, because I want the points. Um, and then I just paid off every month. And in doing so, we're able to fly completely for free to a lot of places. Plus, we have a companion pass, which is something through Southwest. And so what we are able to do is we put everything on our credit cards, pay them off each month. We get a, we accrue a lot of uh, points, travel points. My with the partner program, what did I say? It's the companion pass. Um, we're able to I book a ticket and my wife gets a ticket for free, which is kind of nice. And so we're able to book cheap flights and then fly for free to places that Southwest flies to. So like we're going to Cabo in a few months and then we're going to Hawaii in a few months. And that's completely uh, free because of the points. But as far as you talked about leverage, that's kind of where I find debt to be also a great thing. So let's before we get into that, let's get into the, the differences between good debt and bad debt, because a lot of people, I think, still don't understand that. So when we get into good debt, I think of good debt as some a debt you take on that will make you more money. So if that's something like... Uh, like at rental property. Uh, when I buy a, uh, get a mortgage, I'm taking on good debt uh, or I'm taking on debt and then that debt is making me more money. And that could be the same thing with my car. If you didn't listen to the last episode on uh, Toro and how I'm able to make money from my car, then definitely check out that episode because that was a good one. Uh, definitely subscribe to the podcast so you get up to date on all of that information. But essentially, 
um, most people would buy a car and that would be considered bad debt because one, you're not making any money from it and you're putting more money into that, that debt. So you're putting more gas into it. You're, it's a pretty much a uh, money sucking machine is what a car is. But unless you put it on Toro or another ride sharing and it's making you uh, cash flow. I kind of get into, I would say gray debt would be like, say, student loan debt because you're taking on all this debt with a chance of it improving your future income producing um, chances, I guess. But what and, is the percentage of people who go to uni, take on all this student debt? What is the percentage of people who actually use their degree in their job? Man, I have no idea, to be honest. My wife, she has uh, double master's degrees. She had like a hundred and twenty thousand, one hundred fifty thousand dollars in debt. Uh, I yeah, I, I ended up paying it off, but um, she had all this debt, and she is a, a psychologist but she doesn't work in psychology at all. She is uh, in property management and she went from property management. And now she's an asset manager. So nothing to do with psychology, but in some of these um, higher position jobs, they want you to have either a bachelor's or a master's degree. Did you so, care what it's in? Yeah. They don't really care what's it in because if you think about it, most places, most any job, I've never really had a job, but from my understanding, when you go get a job, you just get a school, they, they say, great, you learned all that great stuff. This is how we really do it. <laughs> uh, don't worry about, you know, all the other things, the tools that you used in school or college. This is how we run our business. And I think that's, I, I, I've, that's why I never understood. I mean, both of us didn't go to college. So um, I went for three months. Yeah, I mean, and it was like, do you know what? This is, hey, read a PowerPoint, read a presentation slide, and then listen to me talk. I was like, hmm, really? No, thanks. <laughs> I, no, I feel you. I mean, I, I felt the same way. I, I went to school the first time. I was always not showing up. Um, and then I went to school the second time. And I went to get my bachelor's degree. And I was about, I needed one more class before I could transfer to uh, get my bachelor's degree. And it was accounting. And I just didn't understand really the, the the way they did it because it was just like, I don't know, it was just boring to me. And I already had a CPA who was doing all my accounting. And so I should have just been like, hey, I'm already paying a CPA. Like what you guys are doing is making CPAs. I hired one <laughs> to run my business um can you just give me an a and they wouldn't so um, <laughs> can you just give me an a because i'm outsourced it <laughs> yeah and so um they didn't so i was like you know what I, and i didn't need it i mean i was a personal trainer i wasn't really making it wasn't gonna help boost my income so i was just paying more money for knowledge that i can find on youtube mm. so or hire someone like my accountant so it really just didn't make sense to me that oh, make makes sense. So obviously we've got like the student like loan debts, which are um obviously a gray debt because it's supposed to give you an opportunity to go get a job that makes you more money. But 150k, how much fucking money do you need to make to pay that thing off? Oh, they're ridiculous. Uh, yeah, she, she had so she had uh two master's degrees 
from USC and then Pepperdine, so two prestigious schools. And then she was going to get her doctorate degree. And um, she just raked up a lot of student debt. And so, yeah, we um, we paid that off for her. And uh, she was very happy. And um, yeah, it's, it's a good thing. Yeah, oh, being able to pay it off is just obviously being... And how did you pay it off? Because I think this links back to good and bad debt. Um, real estate. So uh, having real estate able to uh, pay off her student loan debt, um, which is nice because that's a good debt asset. Like you have something that is uh, one growing and appreciating. Um, you're getting cash flow from it. You're getting tax benefits. Um, you get all sorts of tax benefits like depreciation, um, phantom debt, all that fun stuff. Uh, I already said appreciation, tax benefit, and creative financing. So like I can leverage uh, that property, pull out the equity and use it to buy another rental property. So you talked about leverage in the beginning of the episode. So all sorts of fun things you can do with real estate. Unfortunately, I can't do that with my car. I can't just pull out the equity and and uh, I mean, I, I guess I could. I could do like a title loan and buy um, another property, but or another car, but um, it wouldn't make sense to me. <laughs> okay, so we've got we've got bad debt. So like, let's talk about bad debt because a lot of people get into this quite quickly, don't they? It's like so yeah. using using credit cards to buy like some crap around the house, like right. racking up loads of debt for holidays and all that type of stuff. Like that is what you'd associate as bad debt is literally the, the, the definition is it doesn't bring you any monetary value. Right. right? So like store credit, yeah. going and getting a, a store credit card, doing layaway, um, anything like payment plans, recurring debt, all that, that is typically um, like Netflix. All that is going to, it's just consumer debt, essentially, or bad debt is what I say. Anytime you're consuming something that doesn't kind of give you any kind of monetary value, then I consider it bad debt. Okay. So that's obviously bad debt. And obviously everyone gets like slipped into it all the time because they offer like great bonuses to go on a payment plan and a store credit, don't they? Like some of the things that you can see now to get people to go onto a payment plan. Like, I know this is completely off topic, but why do you think payment plans are so attractive to the company? Um, because it boosts their balance sheets. So they they know that they have recurring income coming in. So they're evaluated at a higher um, um, evaluation. So they, they're able to take on, if they have this... Um, balance sheet that has recurring income and it's constantly coming in, they can, uh, that just looks better to their investors. So uh, when they go and talk on uh, how much money they made and how much recurring debt they are uh, getting. And it's just, it's more of a cushion. A lot of people, I, I find that if you can get recurring income consistently coming in, I'd rather have recurring income too, because I know what my floor price is in a sense where I know that I'm going to be making X amount of dollars every single month because the cash flow is consistently at this number versus a lot of people in the, say, high ticket space or um, one-off products, they're constantly chasing for that next sale versus having someone who is recurring. Not only that, but once they paid off, usually you're getting um, you're charging an interest rate, so you're making money 
on top of what the layaway prices are. But even if it's 0%, no interest for 36 months, typically once you are with a company and uh, paying them every single month, it's just a reminder in your head that you're still shopping with them. So when you need to go get another product, I'm guessing psychologically, you're going to choose them as your first choice because you can do another layaway or another um, payment plan with them. Okay. No, that makes sense. So that's quite interesting about the psychology behind why they do it and why it's attractive, obviously, to, to the consumer. Now, how do you get into the spiral of getting into that good debt and obviously acquiring those good debts? And how do you mentally prepare yourself for having this debt and not being scared of it? Yeah, definitely. So I think that a lot of people get scared about debt. Um, I think at one point we had like a million dollars in debt just because we had rental properties. And that, I mean, we only have like 300 something thousand now. But having that $1 million in debt was kind of like, that's a little bit scary because obviously if we go through a crisis and people can't pay for their rents, then that money is still going to need to be paid to the banks. And I think it just, it, just like with anything, um, there is a spiral where you, when you create enough cash flow, you're consistently having enough cash flow where you can keep reinvesting it into more cash flowing assets. And it spirals in a good way or it compounds in a good way. But just like bad debt, um, you're, if you get too much bad debt and you can't afford to pay it off, it's going to compound and spiral into just a, a problem. People are going to, that's why a lot of people go bankrupt is they do get too much debt. They become over leveraged and they're able, they're not able to actually pay down the debt or something happens and the cash flow isn't there anymore. So I think the, the number one factor really is figuring out uh, if you're over leveraged or not. And so making sure that you're not over leveraged. That million dollar section, were you over leveraged? Um, I think so. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so even even obviously experienced people, guys, can obviously put themselves in an over leveraged position by understanding the risks. So obviously you're not daft, are you? And like you're not a clown in any ways, and you're obviously quite experienced. So what give you the confidence to go into that over leveraged position? Um, so that's a great question. So I was doing something called the bird method in real estate where you pretty like I was kind of doing the bird method where we were buying an asset. It was cash flowing. It was doing really, really well and it would appreciate. And then I would take the appreciation out, refinance the, the cash flow out and buy another rental property. And then I would do that again. And so those two properties were able to take out the debt, buy a, a four unit. And then I think we'll be talking about this in a later episode, or I don't know if we talked it previously, but then on the third property, I was able to take out all the cash flow from all three properties and pay no money out of pocket and uh, pretty much pay, buy the fourth property, which was another four unit without any extra money out of pocket. So I was just kind of rolling over the money that I've made into these other these other properties. And so with economies of scale, that the prices would go up. But at the at, since I kept pulling out the the principal off the first property, it became a not really it was 
break even on cash flow. So that's when I knew it was um, kind of being over leveraged and being able to have that break even really wasn't sitting comfortable for me. And so in doing so, it's just, it's, that's when I feel like you're over leveraged. And if you can't have, say, for instance, like we moved from Texas, sorry, from California to Texas, and I was a personal trainer before making six figures, really easy to do. And then I wasn't really easy to do, but it was, I was making that very easily. Um, and if not more, and then I moved to Texas to start all over. And so that, in that change, um, in my ability to, or my confidence, I guess, and being able to pay that was slightly on edge. And so when I was not creating as much capital as I once was being a personal trainer, um, I, that's when I knew I was a little bit over leveraged and that I should probably pull back the reins just a little bit. Okay. So obviously at that point, so it was the, it was the active income like reduction that caused you to be over leveraged yeah yeah because i if i think that if you're able to if your active income can cover the worst case scenario that all of our tenants move out and they're not able to pay or stay for instance we go through a lockdown uh like we did and with covid and they weren't allowed to evict people for not paying rent hmm. Then um, you're put in a position where you that debt still needs to be paid. So our active income could cover that really easily when we're in California, but when we moved, it just didn't make sense anymore. So that's when I like yeah exactly like you said, um, not having the active income made me feel that I was over leveraged. So when you were at that position, obviously, did you feel like the houses were good debt or bad debt? Or a gray because it was like the gray, but something could go wrong and turn very bad. Um, I, I still think it's good debt. I think that if you're um, able to create cash flow from it, which I was, other people were paying down the asset. I wasn't. Um, so essentially, it was. I mean, it was still great debt. Um, and I would like I, we keep buying more rental pro- properties, and we will. Um, we're going to be buying in Texas now. And I think we're going to be buying some tiny homes and I have uh, a whole thing on that, which I'm really excited about. But um, yeah, I mean, anything that I feel that one can appreciate or two, someone else is paying it down and it's cash flowing, then, and and there's, I already said that, a chance for appreciation um, and tax benefits, then I think that it's it's good debt because you don't really get that with, um, say, a... A credit card, like going yeah. to and buying up, uh, you know, housing or materials for your house. Like that really doesn't create, you're paying that down. Um, you're not, it's not appreciating. It's not creating cash flow. It's not a tax benefit. So it's really no good use of uh, that. No, that, that makes total sense. So in terms of like, how would someone go about getting their first part of good debt? Um, well, I think that I, I will say this in my, I've said this previously that you don't need debt or, um, credit or a good credit score to get into good debt. I mean, we were able on our fourth property, we we're able to buy our rental property with no one checking our credit score because we did owner will carry and owner will carry is where we gave the person, they were essentially the bank. 
and they wanted to um, get paid directly instead of going through a bank. They didn't check my credit score. They saw how much money I had in the bank. And so they carried the loan. But if I was someone new and getting started in creating good debt, um, I'd work on my credit score, make sure that I have no bad debt. I would pay off all my credit cards. Um, if I have student loan debt that's like super low interest, then I would try and pay that off. Or if it, if it had a super low balance and a high interest rate or even a low interest rate, but it was a low balance, I would definitely try and pay that off as quick as possible because you want to make sure that you have enough cash flow coming in where you can support whatever your your investment is so that if it does go sideways, say your tenant decides to move out uh, one night and is not paying the mortgage, you can cover that that property because if you have a property that's not being paid by anyone else but yourself, then I would consider that bad debt because you're only getting really appreciation. You are getting tax benefits, but someone else isn't paying that down. You are. And so you might, and that's why I think a lot of people call owning your own house a, a liability because you're, it's a money sink because you're having to pay for electricity, you're having to pay for uh, the mortgage, you're having to pay for um, the landscaping and the grass and all that stuff. And I, I can't really write that off as expenses with, like I can if it was a rental property. I can pay off, uh, I can pay off the, well, I'm not paying electricity, but I can write off property management. I can write off uh, landscaping. I can write off pool management. All that stuff uh, is able to be written off versus owning your own home. Luckily for us, we bought at like the perfect time where we're only paying 3% interest uh, instead of like, what is it now? Six or so. So uh, quite higher. And our property has doubled in value in the last year. So we, we kind of got lucky, uh, but just like they say always, you know, the best time to invest was 10 years ago and the best time to invest is today. And so uh, in the grand scheme of things, I think this was a great purchase, um, our, our own home. And it's, I don't consider it a really liability because our payment is so low. I think we have own like, we have like 60% equity in the property now. Uh, so the goal is to pay that off as quickly as possible, but yeah. And then obviously property, property tax and all that stuff. So stuff you don't get to write it off versus if you do rental property, obviously talk to your tax professional. We are not tax professionals. So don't take this as any type of uh, financial or tax advice because, um, where you live is, and your living situation is different than ours. So, and we're just two stupid monkeys who are on a podcast talking to each other. So don't take any of our financial advice as advice at all. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, so do you feel like you've given everybody enough to understand the differences between them both and um, what to do to get out of bad debt and what to do to get into good debt? So bad debt to get out, just there's, I think, snowball effect. Mm. where essentially you just pay down your lowest um, recurring income thing. So if you have a credit card that has $50 on it, uh, each month they have to pay. And one that has $100, you pay the one that is $50 um, a month. Pay If it has a lower balance, obviously, you want the lower balance of the two. So say, for instance, one had $1,000 on it left, that was $50 a month. And one had $2,000 and was $100 a month. 
you paid the thousand dollars and then you roll the that debt you paid off and then roll the extra fifty dollars into the the next one and pay that down as quickly as possible and so that way you're snowballing your debt and you're freeing up cash flow to reinvest into the bad debt i think the best investment you can make if you have a lot of debt is don't buy any kind of income producing asset go pay down your debt because that debt is going to allow you to free up cash flow and that's ultimately what we're striving for as investors is just cash flow. The more cash flow we can get, the more we can uh, take and dis, um, redistribute it or reinvest uh, it into more income producing assets. And so if you can free up your cash flow and create more cash flow from assets, then you're going to be in a good place. And so if you want to uh, do that, I think that paying down your, your student loan debt and paying down all your recurring debt, cutting as many subscriptions as possible is a good start. And then from there, start buying uh, income producing assets or companies or anything that will create cash flow. Okay, so I think we've covered it. And guys, obviously, if you do have any questions, 100%, if you are watching the YouTube version, put the comments below, put your questions below, and we'll do our best to obviously get these answered and help you guys out. If you are on the Spotify or the Apple Podcast, obviously, give us a follow, and we greatly appreciate it. Thank you for sticking around to the end, and we will see you on the next episode. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to that latest episode of the Passive Buddies podcast. I hope you absolutely loved it and took so much value from it that you can go and make a difference in your life, in your finances, in your family's life. If you want to know more and if you want to connect with us on a more personal level, ask some questions, learn step-by-step how to make passive income online and the marketing strategies behind it, then there is a link to our free group below. Definitely click that link join the free Facebook group and let's connect and let's help you get to your next steps. See you on the next episode, guys.